Welcome back with us. We're glad to have each and every one of you here today, and we thank you all for being here. Thank you for tuning in to this particular message. We're continuing on in our study of Acts. You know, we come to a question that's life's greatest questions that was raised that day on that Pentecost event. We see Peter addressing it. And you and I need to understand that of all the things that have happened over the past six weeks, seven weeks, there has been fear, there's been chaos with some people's lives, there have been a number of people asking this particular question that was raised in Acts. Look with me, if you will, at the second chapter of Acts, verse 37 and following. For after that fantastic sermon that Peter preached, the Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? There you go. Life's greatest question. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Well, we see life's greatest question. Well, what shall we do? I don't know about you, but for a lot of people, this coronavirus has brought them to the point of asking that question. The Bible says in verse 37 that they were cut to their heart. Every decision that we make begins in the heart. And so they were cut to the heart. They were pricked, as the King James says. They were, they were literally convicted in their souls that something was not right. I pray that each and every person comes to that place where they understand that for all of our life's pursuits, none of them is going to give the complete and total fulfillment and satisfaction that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will give us. We come to that place where we have to realize that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, as the scripture says. And that we were not created just for planet earth. We were created for an eternity experience. And it is our decision as to where we're going to spend that eternity. You see, here the people at Pentecost were confronted with that issue. Jesus Christ was the only begotten son of God. Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one that was given by God to us. And he, being the only begotten son of God, the only perfect man who's ever walked on the face of the earth, Peter said, you decided because of your sinful nature to take the only perfect person who's ever walked the face of the earth and nail him to a tree. You crucified him. He died on that cross. But he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And Peter says, and that is why I claim to you confidently, prophetically, that Jesus Christ came into this world for you. He gave his life for the forgiveness of your sins, he says here, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that conviction, I don't know about you, but a lot of people have come to that place during this particular pandemic that we're experiencing even today. I read recently 
where a police officer of some 20 years on the force was being tested for coronavirus, and he was being quarantined until the test results came back. He said he was afraid of dying, literally, and became scared. Where does he go to seek answers? Google. Now, that sounds kind of funny to you and I, but in this day and age of social media and those who are internet dependent, we know that a lot of people seek their answers through the internet. Interestingly enough, he asked Siri, that voice on the internet, how can I get saved? Now, I don't know about you, but being convicted or cut to the heart brings us to some desperate measures. And that desperate measure was him seeking out on Google how a person must be saved. What are we going to do with our life? What if this particular circumstance, situation, virus, or whatever it might be calls us to an eternal home? Where am I going to spend eternity? What if I die in this experience? God knows how to bring us to that point in our lives. And he loved this police officer so much that he was willing to bring him to that stage of conviction. So, oddly enough, Siri referred him to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association's online ministry. The word saved evidently triggered that response from Siri. A volunteer spoke with him and he replied, I'm struggling with faith. And with everything going on, even more so, I am so lost and very scared. The volunteer had asked him uh, about his relationship with the Lord. He says, well, you know, I usually seek my answers from inside. I look inside myself to see it. To which, of course, Jeremiah the prophet said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't look for our direction from our hearts from our minds, from our soul. If we have been created by God, then it is God that is the director of our paths. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way, the psalmist said. But this man said, I'm so lost and very scared. Oddly enough, as the volunteer began to lead him through what we call the Roman road, she helped him to understand there, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin, we don't like to talk about sin today. So many people feel that they're far too enlightened to talk about the subject of sin. Sin is disobedience to God. That is, we do what he asks us not to do, or we don't do what he tells us to do. It's disobedience. Sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death. That's separation from God. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've, every person who's ever walked the face of the earth except for Jesus Christ has disobeyed God and we, most of us will continue to do so until the Lord comes, calls us home. But there is, a, there is a forgiveness that we find by faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says you get the condition. The condition 
God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. He loves every one of us equally. He doesn't love anyone uh, greater than he loves another. Regardless of your social standing, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of who you are, what you've done, where you are in relationship to God, God loves you as much as he has ever loved anyone who has ever walked the face of this earth or ever will love anyone. He loves us all equally. And secondly, the, when the Bible gives us that little gospel in a nutshell in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Uh, even Peter says, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone, Jew and Gentile, young and old, male and female, whatever race, whatever ethnic background, whatever creed you may embrace, God loves you equally and gave his only begotten son for you to the far regions of the world, wherever you might be. And he said, and with many other words, God, uh, the Lord calls to himself. It is God who takes the initiative. We don't find God, he finds us. God's never been lost, we have. When Adam was trying to run from God in the Garden of Eden, God simply said, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. You can't hide from God, but God needed for Adam to respond as to where he was. So Adam was there. Now God is calling you out. Some of you listening to this message are also being cut to the heart. You know that you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Well, there it is in a nutshell. And so his response, this police officer, interestingly enough, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And what happened? He was quarantined for 14 days. Now, God allowed that to happen for one reason because he enrolled in an online discipleship class, and there he was, 14 days, with the main purpose, not of getting well, not of being quarantined, but of being drawn closer to God through these discipleship classes. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the, that. Here's the condition. Whosoever believes in him, his promise shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is what Peter told the men. Men, what shall we do? What do we need to do? We feel lost, as this police officer do. We're scared. We don't understand what's going to happen here in this process. What do we do? And Peter said, repent. Change your mind. Change your mind. That's what repentance is all about. It is a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Oh, we all feel pretty cocky at times. We feel that we are so self-confident that we're in control of our lives. We feel that, that everything's going the way we want it to, economically, financially, uh, health-wise, and, and so forth. We've got, the, we've got the job we want. We've got the family we want. We've We've got the relationships in line with what we think is right. And then all of a sudden, things start unraveling. We realize, you know, 
that wasn't where I needed to be. That wasn't bringing me ultimate happiness at all. And so with that realization comes the fact that we change our mind. We're convicted in our hearts. We're cut in our hearts. And we come to that place where repentance is necessary. Repentance means that from this point forward I have from this point backward, I have led my life in a way that I wanted to do. I went where I wanted to do. I thought what I wanted to thought. I went where I thought I should go. I did all the things that I thought would bring me pleasure. Now I've changed my mind. My mind has changed in a matter of repentance. And now no longer do I want myself to control my life because I realize I can't do it. I want to turn it over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind which results in a change of direction. The change of direction is called conversion. And so Peter said, what you need to do is repent. And then he said, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You're baptized as a result of your repentance. It doesn't result in your forgiveness of sin. Some, there's some clarity needs to be raised here. Uh, the thief on the cross was never baptized. There were others that weren't baptized in the scripture. And if Jesus felt that it was necessary for baptism, he would have required that of the thief on the cross. I trust Jesus to be true. So what is exactly is baptism? Let me just give you a brief thumbnail sketch of what baptism is all about. It is, it is the total immersion of a person under the water. Total immersion of the person under the water. Where did it come from? In the Old Testament, the Jews really felt that through their bloodline, they had a vicarious experience with their ancestors. Their ancestors through Noah were baptized through the flood, you know, literally the water symbolized their salvation. When they crossed, their ancestors crossed the Red Sea, fleeing from the Egyptian army. That Red Sea parted, and, and the parting of that water symbolized that God was with them, their salvation. So through the flood waters and through the parting through the Red Sea, that water came to be a powerful symbol to the Jews through their blood, through their ancestry inheritance, they felt that baptism gave them that, that, that water, gave them that symbol that they needed. Now here's the problem. When a non-Jew, which they called a Gentile, wanted to become a Jew, the Jews looked at each other and basically said, you know, none of their ancestors have ever been passed through the waters. They can't identify with Noah. They can't identify with the exodus through the Red Sea. So what do we do? Well, baptism by immersion became that symbol of them passing through the waters because when they were lowered in the waters as a, as a Gentile, it symbolized that their Gentile nature was being washed off, that they were being buried a Gentile and being raised a Jew. It had that powerful symbol to them. And so... John the Baptist took this very vivid symbol and put it on all those who would repent and come to him in the River Jordan to be baptized by immersion. Now, there's another thing about baptism that I think is important, and I want to 
leave this with you as well. Peter at Pentecost was preaching to thousands of people. The Bible says that 3,000 came forward to be baptized. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. Now you need to understand this was in the kind of the temple courtyard area where Peter was preaching probably. And there were no aisles to walk. There were no tent revival meetings, no church buildings in which to meet. There was no aisle to come forward and talk to the pastor about your decision in Christ Jesus. So there, what kind of public admission would they say that they're going to be able to identify with Jesus Christ from this point forward? Baptism. Baptism did it. It's their public profession of faith. And the way I liken it is to like a marriage, a bridal a bride and a groom come together in a wedding ceremony. Now, they've already pledged their love earlier. But this becomes the public seal and cement of that covenant relationship that they give to one another. They stand before family and friends and pledge themselves to one another. Baptism is the same way. It is that public ceremony where we pledge our love publicly to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that symbol that we have been buried with Christ into his death as we are totally immersed and that we have been raised to walk in a likeness of Jesus into his death. It also symbolizes that, that we who have been buried with Christ, old things have passed away. We're a new person. Behold, all things are becoming new. We're, we're born again. But it's that covenant relationship that is publicly professed like a wedding ceremony between an individual and the love that he, is, he or she has already begun with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very important. How are you going to publicly profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? There they were probably by the pools of Siloam. And that day there were some 3,000 people baptized. Wow. So the Bible says as a result of their repentance that Peter says the promise is for you and your children that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that day, some 3,000 people received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it was not like Pentecost. We need to understand that. There were no tongues of fire. There was no speaking in, in foreign languages. There was none of that. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to us to this day, He comes quietly based on our faith in Jesus Christ and resides with us and resides in us. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift. The condition of that is our repentance, being cut to the heart about who we are, where we are in, in our presence with a holy God and being pricked to the heart to the extent that we have turned our lives over to Jesus Christ. We've changed our mind. No longer are we going to conduct our lives the way we want it to go. Now we're going to turn it over to the Lordship of Christ. That's repentance. And when that happens and we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit enters in. No rushing mighty wind. You didn't hear that in the scripture. None of that kind of thing. So those of you that have quietly asked Jesus into your lives, know that if you by faith have, have trusted in him, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Well, the Bible says those who gladly received his word, were baptized. That day, 3,000 souls. Have you 
gladly receive the word of God? Have you trusted in him as your personal Lord and Savior? If you do, you want to be not a secret witness. You want to be a public adherent, a public disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you will. Well, I don't know about you, but the greatest day of my life was asking that question, what shall we do? What do we need to do? What do I need to do? And it was answered when Jesus says, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent. Accept the fact that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And with your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. It doesn't matter whether you're experiencing a coronavirus epidemic. It doesn't matter whether you're experiencing some financial failures or or relationship issues, whatever the case might be. There is no pit so deep that God's not deeper still. There's no darkness in your life that's so dark that the light of God cannot penetrate. He just asks you simply to do this. Accept the fact that you've sinned and believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't have to be a complicated prayer. It's just a simple prayer is all you need. Trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if there's anything I can do for you during the week, just call our church at Trinity Baptist Church. Let us know how we might be able to assist you further and know that we are here to help you know the way and the will of God. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just thank you for this day. I know there are those who are struggling in some particular form or fashion, Lord, with what to do with Jesus. I know they're struggling with their situations, their circumstances, their health, whatever case might be. You know because you're the creator of all life. And Father, you are intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. Father, I just pray that that those listening to this message today will turn their hearts to you, turn their uh, faith to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, that we might see you in a way that you desire to be seen, that we might serve you in a way that you desire to be served. And Lord, that our decisions will bring honor and glory to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these decisions that have been made. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I pray the Lord's richest blessings will be yours today and the rest of this week and beyond. Bless you.